Part 21. The Spy Who Loved Me. Mary Beth snatched personal property of the Clintons from the east wing of the White House in July of 1994. She took it from right under the noses of staffers, then snuck it past heavily armed Secret Service agents without dropping a bead of sweat. We were there as representatives of the Mars family, as in M&Ms and Snickers, to provide Dove Ice Cream Bars to South Lawn guests of the First Family during a private Independence Day viewing of the Capitol fireworks. The opportunity came through an elite D.C. power broker named Thomas Boggs, who founded the law firm Patton Boggs. He had close ties to the Democratic Party and also represented Mars Incorporated, which is headquartered in nearby McLean, Virginia, home of the CIA. I was working for a promotional marketing firm, Sutherland Sherwood, who, like Boggs, did work for Mars, including a national campaign for the world-famous confectioner and their recently acquired ice cream brand. In May of 94, Boggs got wind of the program, and one of Tom's people called one of my people. Well, I was in a restroom when a co-worker answered the phone. And before you could say Razorbacks, I was corresponding with a very gracious White House deputy from Little Rock named Ann McCoy. As manager of the campaign that operated 110 ice cream carts, it was my job to negotiate sponsorships and product placement and coordinate equipment logistics to support distributors at major events like PGA golf tournaments, NASCAR races, the Kentucky Derby, and the Indy 500. The savvy lawyer saw an opportunity to scratch two backs with the same popsicle stick, my operations budget. His client, Mars Inc., would get product placement at the White House, and his client, the Democratic Party, would get free ice cream for their yard party. Sutherland and his client, a VP at Mars, thought it was a good idea, so I did too. Our distributor in D.C. was also enthusiastic when I called to announce the sweet deal I'd lined up. Are you nuts, he said. I'm not going to make one of my drivers fight 4th of July traffic in a reefer truck that has to get White House security clearance. Also, a bunch of political Klingons can get free ice cream. I'll sell you the product, but you're on your own after that. Two months later, I was driving a 24-foot Penske box truck loaded with six ice cream carts and a bunch of treats for political Klingons through bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. Mary Beth was at my side playing the role of Siri and guiding us from Bethesda, Maryland to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with a half-folded map of Metro DC in her lap. I knew she'd read every Flynn, Clancy, Le Carre, Sanford, and Ludlam book ever written but I had no idea the sniffing dogs and secret service agents dressed in SWAT gear would incite the inner Matahari and my wife. As the agents began to inspect our rig, she went Greta Garbo on them with provocative questioning. They attempted to maintain professional protocol, but her charm and fiendish fascination for espionage was too much, and pretty soon the boys were chatting it up like tour guides. I don't recall which state secrets were revealed, only that the Clintons were identified as the most social family to ever occupy the place, and that the constant civilian traffic kept them on their toes. Yeah, right, I thought.
She's scratching their dog's ears like a household pet. We passed inspection. Mary Beth slipped them a box of frozen kickbacks, and we set off to meet Ms. McCoy and her handful of volunteers. Ann McCoy was not only gracious, she was the diva of details. Her manner was so kind and thoughtful that, in the nation's capital, it could easily have been mistaken for quid pro quo influence, if not for the fact that she had nothing to gain but more details to manage. We did the event again in 95. Anne was unaware of the previous year's caper, and during our initial planning discussion, asked me to tell Mary Beth she looked forward to seeing her again. I was sur surprised she remembered my name, let alone my wife's, but that was nothing compared to Anne's remembrance later that year. I informed her that Mary Beth was seven months along in a high-risk pregnancy and my nephew, Jared Johnson, would be my able assistant. She offered heartfelt best wishes, and other than her asking how mother and baby were doing when Jared and I arrived on the 4th, that brief reference was the only time we discussed the pregnancy. In October of 95, the first letter ever received by our young baby, Mary Murphy, came from the President of the United States. The compassionate note that welcomed her into this world was signed by Bill Clinton and obviously the considerate work of Anne McCoy. Jared and I had a great trip in 95 with visits to Old Ebbets Grill, the Manassas Battlefield, and a field trip to Georgetown where we had a photo op on the front porch of the townhouse where Mom and Pop first met in 1951. Jared was better at hauling ice cream than Mary Beth. He didn't woo any secret service agents, and he didn't steal anything from the White House. Which brings us back to 1994. We went out a couple days early to see some sites. The Air and Space Museum, Smithsonian Institution sites. She had to have a picture in front of the FBI building. And we learned how to watch soccer at an Irish pub, referred by Seamus McCaffrey of Scottsdale who had invited me to the Italy versus Ireland World Cup match in New York City two weeks earlier. After getting the carts and volunteers in place, we were able to take in the spectacle. The South Lawn is the green space that slopes at a gentle grade down from the White House toward the Ellipse, the National Mall, and the Washington Monument. During World War I, sheep grazed on the South Lawn for Woodrow Wilson to reduce the lawn mowing staff and to raise wool for the troops. The President's backyard is a pretty decent view for the annual Capitol fireworks on Independence Day, especially from the upper level of the portico, where Bill and Hillary stepped out for a brief welcome to the crowd. He was at a high point in popularity, and the charisma that got him elected was readily evident and captivated the guests. As dusk turned to darkness, ramparts lit the sky, and a soundtrack culminating in patriotic Sousa filled the air with a monumental postcard that would be seen on television by millions and in three dimensions by those of us grazing on the lawn. By 10.30 the show was over, and Anne McCoy was thinking of us as if she had nothing else to do. She anticipated the drudgery of Mary Beth and I driving the Penske into vehicular gridlock 
and assigned a couple of staffers to take us on a behind-the-scenes tour, then let us relax in their office area until traffic had thinned. Our host shared accounts of boredom and excitement in the East Wing, the hangout for grunt staffers who performed the mundane duties of everyday life for America's first family. As fate would have it, or in an act of cunning, Mary Beth sat in a chair next to a food and water dish for the Clinton's pet cat. Is this for socks? she asked with hopeful excitement that painted her as a giddy Midwestern housewife. Sure is, one staffer replied. That's one of our jobs. He went on to tell a few cat tales, then turned to a cabinet to pull out a souvenir gift left over from Easter, an egg signed by Socks paw print. Mary Beth saw her opening. She stealthily reached down to the dish, scooped a handful of Socks supper, and pocketed it. On the way out, the White House staff was too tired and polite to screen us and the Secret Service had already been seduced into unconditional trust. She walked out of the joint like she owned it. Back home in St. Paul, Mary Beth laid out the smuggled stash for her kingpin cat, Bannister, who looked at the dish, then dismissed the nuggets as a racketeer fence would discharge fake diamonds. He was unimpressed by the palate of the most powerful cat in the world, and strolled away with that level of disinterest it makes you wonder whether cats are smarter than we are. Mary Beth was momentarily disappointed. She had risked 20 to life at Leavenworth. She timed the heist and executed the sleight of hand in the east wing to perfection. And she was cool as an ice cream bar with milk chocolate and almonds as she slipped out of the most heavily guarded place on earth with the contraband. Anne McCoy and the Clinton staff could not have been more hospitable, and we were very thankful. But the votes in our home went to George H.W. Bush and Ross Perot. As she disposed of the evidence, Mary Beth grinned and looked at the cat. Good conservative kitty, she said. <laughs>